0: Hi there, and welcome to Plant CEO. In today's episode, I'd like to welcome Damoy Robertson, the founder of The Vegan Review. Hi Damoy, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Nan. Um, thanks for having me, I trust you're well.
0: I'm all good, I know we've been talking for a while now, and um, it's great to get you on the show to talk about The Vegan Review, uh, especially now that you're in um, Netherlands and there's lots of cool startups, especially on veganism that are um, starting up there, so it'd be great to hear more about what you're up to.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been living in the Netherlands now for almost a year, and instantly I was really surprised with um, just the innovation here, especially when it comes to um, vegan food startups. Um, there are some amazing restaurants, uh, some great brands, you know, Vegan Junk Food Bar and one of them, which I know everybody loves. But beyond that, there are some cool companies, um, for example, Backyard is one of my favorite spots in Rotterdam to you know, relax, eat some good vegan food and do some work and they have an amazing Oreo cake as well. So there's a lot going on here. Um, another cool spot as well is a vegan sushi bar in Amsterdam, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, lots going on.
0: Awesome. So let's uh, talk about the vegan review. Can you um, tell us you know, what, it, what it's about, what your mission is, you know, what your plan is going forward?
1: Sure. So the Vegan Review is a platform for vegans and non-vegans alike where they can learn more about veganism. It's, you know, a no-judge space and it pretty much breaks down all barriers to the conversation of veganism and normalizes the content um, in the space also. So we've been going now for eight months, um, eight slash nine months, and we've done really well we've been growing really well um lots of people know us in a space and one of the biggest compliments that you know we've been getting is that our content just uh, does just that so it's it's the plan to sort of accelerate that and grow that as quickly as possible
0: yeah so um tell me about some of the stats that you've experienced since since starting
1: Sure, so very interesting, actually. Um, Launching a publishing platform, um, sort of in the beginning, you're kind of just publishing content for yourself, really. Um, So, you know, you go on and there might be one person on the website and you're like, oh, this is great. Um, So you look at it and in your first sort of few weeks, you might have, you know, 10 visitors per day, 20 visitors per day. And that's pretty much what it was um, at the sort of launch day in February. of so around five six months later, we started having content break into the you know, um, the, the thousand views per week per content mark. Um, per day, we started seeing between five to six hundred unique visitors per day. Um, and now we're up to the mark of around um, twelve hundred to fourteen hundred unique visitors per day. Um, last month we had a great month, we had 36,000 unique visitors um, and over 110 unique page views. So we're growing in the right direction, for sure.
0: Um, I guess you're also going to probably see a big spike um, in potentially January, where where people obviously coming out of uh, Christmas and, and New Year's want to look at their diets and uh, you know maybe try uh, veganism for a month, with the help of uh, Veganry promoting that, obviously. Um, so that's a good time for vegan brands to launch, and I think potentially also for your content to grow
1: yeah exactly um one of the key drivers about the vegan review is we're a space where um new vegans can learn a lot about veganism um so we've worked with some really cool startups um we're telling people's stories, so you know not just the brand but we're telling stories about why people have launched brands and especially heading into january um that's where you know you will see a lot of not only startups but you'll see i think a lot of traditional companies also try to capitalize on um the veganuary movement so we're a space where a lot of people come to us and they learn a lot about the brands and the founders behind the brands as well so we are expecting to see sort of an increase of traffic around that time and we will be covering a few stories around the topic also
0: yeah and um, you've also started a new thing where you're doing some content writing too. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Definitely. Um, one of the key factors um, for businesses is you know, the amount of people who view their websites and content goes such a long way. Um, it's you know, why I launched my business in content. And within the space, um, there's not a lot of businesses who are actually showcasing not only what they do, but their ethics, their background, with quality content so what we've been doing is we've been working with some companies to um, actually they outsource their content writing to us and we've got some great writers all professional all been in the writing game for a very long time so we manage the content for these businesses um, and we kind of take that stress away um, from them to actually help them get their message across and sort of boost in the rankings
0: yeah and is there any sort of articles that you're most proud of
1: yeah definitely so the article that I'm the most proud of is actually our most read article as well Um, and they both sort of those two reasons do run alongside each other so the reason why it's my favorite is because it's actually a friend of mine um, his name is Toby and he opened a food store at the beginning of the pandemic called Plantain Kitchen and sort of around a few months in he actually launched um, a collaboration with this and he started offering vegan options. So I thought that was really cool because not only is you know this, this young guy launching a food stall um at the beginning of a pandemic, but he's also, as a non-vegan, decided to offer vegan options where you know he really didn't have to so early on, um especially at such a challenging time. So we wrote an article about that. Um, one of our amazing writers, Olivia wrote that and it sort of, it just took off. So to date that article has been read over 30,000 times. Um, we've received a lot of great um, news about it. You know, a lot of people telling us how great it is and Toby actually saw a great uplift in his business as well. So I think an article like that is just a, the um, the perfect champion for The Vegan Review and it shows exactly what we're about.
0: Yeah, awesome. And uh, I think these collaborations are really important. Like uh, I know th- this has done really well, right? They, they just won, uh, I think, a Grocer Award. And also they're very non-preachy in their approach. So you want to appeal to uh, the, the non-vegans because that's the, that's the ones that we need to increase uh, the dietary change for all the things around animal welfare and climate change. And so, yeah, I think collaborations especially within food is vital
1: exactly i i agree with you and um a big part of the sort of ethos and the messaging that we focus on as well is to not be preachy um you know vegans i like to say that we've got it figured out but you know i don't and a lot of vegans haven't got it figured out but i would say at least we're on the road to you know to, to solving some of these key issues Um, And when it comes to brands like this and other brands in the space as well, um, I think it's really important to, you know, not don't discriminate, don't alienate, alienate, um, lead with product first. And I think as long as you produce quality products, um, you're gonna show non-vegans that there's really no compromise, um, especially in this day and age, once you go vegan.
0: Yeah, and um, so also like, uh, where would you model the Vegan Review, in terms of other, you know, publications.
1: Sure. So we're trying to be um, a cross between the Guardian and Vice Media. Um, <laughs> we we want to be official. Um, we we carry ourselves in a very legit way. Um, you know, we don't. Our writers, myself, we're all focused on producing quality first and getting the information that we need to get and showing that to the world. Um, But then on the same side, you know, we want to be trendy. We want to be fun. Um, So similar to a Vice Media, um, our core audience is between 25 and 35, um, which is a great audience to hit because not only do, you know, that sort of, er those um, ages have kids that they can influence. They also have parents that they can influence as well. um, And probably the most part of the workforce now. So what we're looking at doing is, creating a cross between those two um, mediums and showcasing you know that you can have legit content that is unique but also fun at the same time
0: yeah that's great and um, so how have you gone about uh, picking your team
1: (laughs) so this is a very interesting um, point because I feel like the team has sort of picked the vegan review um, so to speak yeah Um, in the beginning with um you know, limited budgets and things like that. I basically found a group of student writers, um, paid them per article and we scaled the platform that way. As time has gone on, um, you know, we've had a lot of people write to us saying that they would love to contribute content. And one of those people was actually our current managing editor, um, who was actually introduced to me by one of, from one of those students. And he worked on a freelance basis at first and it was such a great synergy um that I couldn't basically you know not hire him he was just great the second person that I've hired full-time is Amy Buxton who actually we posted a job um on believe it was indeed we posted a job and she applied and at the time we thought okay we need to take this down because right now we might not be looking for someone um and her her cover letter just spoke to me so much and it was just exactly what i was looking for on for the platform and i just couldn't i couldn't not hire her basically it was just the perfect um, synergy
0: yeah that's that's a good top tip isn't it make sure your your cover letter is spot on
1: yeah <laughs> i think one of the biggest things that i've realized i mean i've applied for jobs before and not really taken the time on my cover letter and sitting on the other end now as you know an employer I would say that's probably the number one thing um, for anyone you know showcase not only your skills but showcase you know why um the job might be right for you in that cover letter because in amy's for example it couldn't have been i couldn't have written anything better myself
0: yeah that's awesome and um so how important is it um to show diversity within veganism
1: so this is you know, a subject that's very close to my heart, um, myself being a, um, a black founder um, within the space. I think it's very interesting because veganism and the vegan market when it comes to the business side of it, I still see uh, that you know, black people, Asian people um, are quite underrepresented um, when it comes to um, being you know, founders, when it comes to raising investments. So to me, it's very important to showcase those stories, but not in a way that, you know, it's Black History Month, let's put together a list of Black founders. It's important that it's just a part of our channel on a whole. And I think as a founder, that's one of my number one missions to showcase that these businesses are diverse. It's not just a restaurant. Um, you know, there are Black founders who are launching products and everything like that. So. I think it's really important to push that message through and to normalize um, that, you know, minorities are actually a majority in the space. Um, there's articles showing that, you know, black vegans are driving the movement in the USA, but oh, yeah. there's not, I don't see a lot of investments going into any sort of products um, that are founded by black vegans. So I think it's really important to push that message forward.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so, um... <laughs> I made an investment, uh, it's not, not so public yet, but uh with a company called Eat Virgin uh in the US. And um uh she's um Indian and uh and mixed and, and he's also Dutch and black. They both combined. So like getting investment for them was actually quite hard. Um, but yeah, I, I love the branding that they've done. Uh they've they've created uh uh, a, a super cookie, a protein-based super cookie, and they're going into the frozen food market. And I know they made an introduction to you. So I think they're, they, you know, these, they, as well as, um, you know, catering for a growing audience, they also need the investment, right? This is the key thing. We need to be investing these sort of innovations and, and these sort of companies that are addressing a market that hasn't been addressed so clearly before.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I think the key thing is, um, there's almost a disconnect between culture and business. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, growing up in a black community or a, um, an ethnic minority community, culturally, there's a lot of differences and having a lot of investors who are from different cultures Sometimes it clashes a bit um, and the investors might not understand the business founders and the business founders might not feel comfortable with the investors. So I think, you know, especially within the vegan space, we all have um, veganism as a common denominator. So I think that can serve to break down barriers. And I urge, you know, not only investors, but business founders, to actually challenge themselves and have more conversations with each other, um, you know, before and after investment, either way, to actually see um, ways that they can work together and see how to, you know, see what's new, what's coming up, and how to break those barriers down.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit. Take me back um, and and give me the story of your background.
1: Sure. Um, So I was born in Jamaica. Um, I grew up, there until I was about 10 years old um at that point i moved to the uk to live with my mum um grew up playing basketball all of my life um could, would be the only thing that i pretty much did from the age of sort of 12 to 25 i would say yeah. um going through that journey um i with basketball in the uk it's not well funded so you have to you have to jump around a lot and you have to sort of go where the money is so you know, when it came to universities, I received a scholarship to, to play in Northumbria. So I received my degree in Newcastle, um, played for teams all over the country. And it got to the point where at the age of 25, um, I had to make sort of a key decision, um, you know, to see where my life was really heading. Is it business? Is it basketball? Financially, also for my family growing up, how can I support them and stuff like that. So at that point, um, I decided to stopped playing basketball and I applied for a job at a large corporate and actually started working for Coca-Cola. Um, so I worked there for a year and quickly realized that it wasn't for me. Um, not only because things are very slow in a large organization, but you are just a number. And I didn't feel, you know, any, um, I didn't feel any desire to get out of bed to, um, make lot make money for an organization that really you know didn't really care about me um so i decided to make a switch and i actually started working for um a startup in the big data area called realize and quickly it became evident to me that you know startups need a lot of work um and with my background i think basketball provided a lot of problem solving skills and actually started um advising startups on the side about three months in, um, I had enough clients to actually launch my own business. So I launched my marketing agency on the back of that. And I ran my marketing agency for four and a half years before launching The Vegan Review.
0: Yeah. And do you, do you still play uh, basketball today?
1: No, not, yeah. not um, recreationally sometimes, but not very often. Yeah. I wish I could play more. Um, and it's something that I did want to get back to. And then the pandemic hit.
0: Yeah, I know we, we have a common friend who used to play with you, and I uh, yeah, used to enjoy those times, so yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, um, you know, that was probably, I say, you know, one of the, the best experiences of my life, and it taught me more than anything, you know, a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work.
0: So there's, um, I don't know if you saw uh, The Last Dance, uh, you know, the, the, the yeah. one about Michael Jordan, but i was just thinking that there there is basketball players that are vegan like uh, john sally for example who's also played for chicago bulls um and i think that's quite important that we get you know athletes being represented um uh, to showcase veganism
1: definitely um there are a few current um athletes who are also in the NBA, who are vegan? Um, I know Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan, who are actually brand ambassadors for Beyond Meat as well. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen them plastered over their websites. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's very cool because amongst my friends, when you speak about veganism, you know it, the first thing is, first of all, you know, where's your protein coming from? Um, are you going to have enough energy? And it's also something that I was very guilty of. Um, I have a friend who's a professional basketball player in the UK. And three years ago or so, he went vegan. Right. And this was before I actually started diving into veganism. And I remember after every bad game, I would say, hey, it's because you're vegan. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, this is something that I was guilty of, but it wasn't, it was more so to make fun um, and, you know, a very uneducated comment. But it's, I had to go back to him and apologize once I turned vegan
0: Oh wow! Yeah. To
1: show him how, how wrong I was. You know, it's 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 something that, you know, people don't think about. And I remember at one point he um, he got injured and his coach was his coach said to him, you know, you need to go back to your diet because this is the reason why. And that just goes to show the lack of information that's out there, but also how people, me being one of them, um, just is so uh, misinformed about it.
0: Yeah. And there is, uh, obviously there's, there's more and more, um, stuff coming out game changers, obviously highlighted, uh, the, um, American football team in the U S, uh, the Tennessee Titans, I think it was, um, where pr- practically most of them are vegan now, but, and they saw the differences, especially to do with recovery time. Did you see any differences? I'm not sure if you were playing sort of, professionally kind of then uh when you're doing the university days but did you see any differences to your own health from switching
1: yeah um my vegan journey started um around two and a half years ago um when i took a trip to thailand and after launching my business, working from home a lot, I became, I needed midday naps um, religiously. So I used to block out 12 to one to take a nap. Um, And I went to Thailand for around a month and a half and that completely went away. And when I got back, it it was back instantly. And I realized that the biggest thing, apart from obviously the weather, was um, my diet. The thai diet you can have you know there's a lot of fruits um a lot of fresh foods and actually it's not very meat heavy mm. so at that point i cut out um red meat and then i started seeing a difference straight away the key thing that i was really waiting on was to see if there would be a big difference with my training um so recently i've gotten back into the gym and i can say wholeheartedly that there is a massive difference when it comes to how you feel the way you recover and I know a lot of people say that but I would really encourage people to just try it for themselves because I can go five days training straight um, at the same intensity that I did before even at you know even being older and it just feels completely different. Um, I recover a lot quicker I don't feel as heavy I don't feel as like tied down so I'll definitely encourage people to try it out but there is a huge difference.
0: Yeah that's awesome. Um, So also, thinking back uh, to Jamaica, um, you know, w- within the culture, um, a lot of people are vegan, especially the, the Rastafarian community. Um, it'll be great if you can give some insights on that.
1: Sure. Um, so a key thing within, I go to Jamaica every year, and, you know, there's never a struggle for food. There are some great restaurants, and they're all ran by Rastafarians, um, mm-hmm. because they have always adapted a diet which is known as ITIL, um, but only sort of eating food that's grown and eating organic and even going beyond that to say, you know, not using a lot of salt and season and things like that, Um, but the food still tastes great. So within Jamaica, I grew up with my father, you know, never eating pork, Um, he never did. And speaking to people within the culture, pork is a big no-no for a lot of people um but then beyond that you actually speak to a lot of rastafarians and not only is it the food but it's the products that they use and the way that they live as well so that's a key part um but jamaica is definitely a hotbed for veganism it's just known as ital. um there are some great restaurants all over the island for that and i also think that that's a key conversation that i would like to drive forward as well showing Places like Jamaica, I know in East Africa a lot. Um, there are a lot of cultures who are, you know, their core is veganism. They they eat grains, a lot of beans, and everything that is grown from the land. So, I, I I would like to see not only that representation in um, you know the media, but also within the businesses as well and the food that's coming out. Because, for example, I know that you've invested in Veggie um, Victory. Um, that's a key sort of um, I would say staple because especially in west africa they have a lot of stews and everything is you know based on meat um so all of my friends who i've told to go vegan that are west african they say hey where's the meat so yeah companies like veggie victory for example is important to move the conversation forward as well
0: yeah um and what's cool is that um you know they've uh now gone into restaurants in in um in Lagos, they've, they've just got a, a new chain that they signed up and, and the product is very versatile actually. So as well as uh, having it into um, stews and chunks, they, this, uh, this other restaurant chain has managed to uh, mold it in different ways. So it oh, can nice. be in skewers and all this. So they're coming up with all these different recipes. It's amazing.
1: giving me the beef taste. It could be pork, it could be beef. Between um, snails, there's the way snails are, they're kind of soft. Um, I think, is it chicken?
0: <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> I can't believe this. <laughs>
1: V-Chunks is 100% plant-based meat substitute with zero cholesterol, no fats. If you want to reduce your meat intake, Finally, you can come by to newly and have something to eat. Try V chunks today.
0: But yeah, I think you know the important thing there was, um, you know, when I when I spoke to the founder Hakim, um, he was saying, you know, that um, the the problem in in uh, Lagos and Nigeria is, is also to do with power supply. Yeah. And um, so not everyone has uh, refrigeration. So their product doesn't require to be in a fridge. It's, um, it's uh, dehydrated and then you hi- hydrate it in a stew. Um, but the bigger, the bigger thing that kind of, I think what really sold me on, on the direction that he was taking the company was when he was talking about the electricity supply. And when the electricity supply and power station, big power stations come to, to Nigeria and Lagos, they'll start to see more animal farming coming. So um, there's a direct correlation. And when, when that happens, then we'll have other th- other impacts, obviously, uh, around sustainability, around waste, uh, we'll start to spoil the land. Yeah. So his mission is trying to stop that happening, try and leapfrog and, and not do what uh, the Western society has done with, uh, with uh, animal agriculture, basically. Yeah. And so that for me, that was uh, for the other investors who came on afterwards. They, they, their their reasoning was different. Yeah. Um, I think the big one was also with you know uh, by two thousand fifty, uh, the population is going to be like the third biggest. So um, yeah. it's like that that's that was a you know market trend I would say. But um, but I'm, I I know that you're uh, going to be helping with us as well on, on Veggie Victory. So I think that's um, yeah, it's a case in point, isn't it? It's like. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, just, just going back to, I think, uh, Jamaica um, and, you know, Rastafarians and, uh, and even Bob, Bob Marley um, used to even say that he, he didn't eat anything that could get up and move. <laughs> so like, you know, that, that culture is ingrained and we, we obviously have in London, there's a lot of uh, restaurants here. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a really important point. And I think before when we spoke, um, You were taking me back, um, uh, the the actual reason that you you wanted to uh, convert to veganism was also the spiritual side. It'd be great if you can um, talk about that a little bit.
1: Definitely. Um, One of the points, so (laughs) exactly what you just mentioned, and it ties in with everything. Um, My girlfriend and I visited a restaurant in Ocho Rios last year and there was a huge sign on the door that says you can't eat anything that's dead to feel alive um and that ties in with you know why i went vegan in the first place because my favorite book of all time is um it's called the alchemist um and it's all about energy it's all about what you put out into the universe it's all about your good omens coming back to you and the more i started reading books like that and books focused around energy i thought if i'm putting out good energy into the universe but putting negative energy into my body um how does that work that means if i'm putting out that positive energy to get positive things back then i'm not going to be getting anything good back from myself because i'm putting negative energy into my body um after reading you know that no animal really no animal wants to die for to be food, essentially. Um, animals are a lot smarter than a lot of people think. So that sense of fear is really you know, dense, I believe in slaughterhouses and thinking about an animal that will get slaughtered, what, what must be going through their minds, what they must be feeling and then thinking this is gonna end up on my plate. Um, it didn't really sit well with me. And I thought to myself, that energy is now gonna become my energy um, I went through phases in life where I felt really angry, phases where I felt really an- anxious, um, phases where I felt really nervous. And I really started to pin that down to what I was eating. So after making that transition, I then could focus my mind on catching up with my body because I felt like my body was then in the right place.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I completely uh, believe in all that too. Like. Um... Yeah, it's just um, a, a lot of uh, negative energy um, and, and it basically forms part of you. Yeah. Um, like my dad actually always used to say, um, your stomach isn't a graveyard for dead animals. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's quite a good saying, actually. Yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, it, it just, yeah, you know, I think it's also like, you know, if animal, animals could talk in, in a slaughterhouse uh, and there's a reason why slaughterhouses um, don't have glass windows um, because people don't want to see what's going on. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting what they would say. And I think they animals, to a certain degree, are even more connected um, to the earth more than humans are. So, you know, they, they are very much part of our universe and, you know, in a way we're all very connected to them. So, you know, the, the energy is completely, your your point that you raised there is, is really strong.
1: Definitely. And I also think, um, there's a disconnect with a lot of people when it comes to the food that they see in, for example, a supermarket and animals, actually. Um, it was something I saw recently in the UK, um, that there was a, I believe it was a cow escaping or something was escaping from a slaughterhouse and they shot it and people were outraged, so outraged. And it's insane to me because this cow was going to be killed, but you're not outraged about that, but you're outraged that it was trying to escape and then it was shot. So I think one of the key people that I listen to on social media is someone called Earthling Ed, and he's very good at translating that message, you know, showing people how how their everyday actions contradict a lot of their, um, the reasons that they're actually appalled at certain things. Um, If somebody just goes out and shoots a dog, for example, or kills a dog for no reason, or people say, you know, in the Far East, um, which a lot of it is, you know, misinformed, then probably also represented in the wrong way that you know people eat dogs there um to me there's no difference what makes the fact that we think dogs are domesticated um and we're outraged that people are eating dogs it's the same thing why 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 can't we have pigs and cows as our pets and we should be outraged that we're eating them too so i think it's the same
0: yeah and there is this like you say there is this disconnect between um you know In general, I don't think people want to harm animals. Most most public don't. And I think there is this disconnect because of the way they see animals as pets to what is landing up on their plate and how it got there. And people actually don't want to know so much. But I'm hoping that's going to change, and I hope it's going to change in a good way, especially with the sort of innovations that we're seeing today with the companies that are being formed, um how uh, animal agriculture will start to change to be more plant based or using cell ag to do it yes. and all these things i think especially with the younger generations generation z's the millennials who are you know the target audience to make this change like you say for your audience who can influence their their the, their their children but also their parents And i think that's that's really vital
1: definitely um it's it's a super important area it's a super important point and I think when we start to normalize these conversations and I think veganism should not be placed in a bubble Um, I don't really walk around saying you know I'm vegan um, because to me it's very normal just I don't think people walk around saying hey I eat meat I don't think that's you know a part of anyone's first conversation with anyone but when it does come up you know what would you like to eat or for example i had a friend that i met recently in my building it's um, like oh let's go out for a drink or let's grab lunch say okay cool yeah we can go to this restaurant you say oh i've never heard of it yeah it's a vegan restaurant um the food's really good and to me that's where it ends i don't go around shouting saying hey i'm vegan because it should just be normal we're not any different we just have sort of done the research and made a decision that we're not gonna harm animals or we're not gonna harm the environment in that way anymore. And I think the more normal it becomes, the more people that will start to adapt that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And um, thinking about uh, your girlfriend, um, she also runs, uh, she's an entrepreneur and she started a company called I Heart Pizza. Um, Great to tell us more about that.
1: Sure, Uh, so, my girlfriend, her name is Jamie. Um, she's Dutch, um, half Dutch. She's half um, from St. Martin as well. When we met, she was in a process of launching her business called I heart pizza, as you said, which is the, the first Dutch vegan frozen pizza brand, um, which you know is a great staple. So she's basically, found all these great ingredients and she's big on cooking. She loves cooking um, and put it together in three different pizza flavors. And her aim is to also improve the accessibility of plant-based foods by recreating one of people's probably favorite foods on the planet, which is pizza. Um, So she's got three flavors, spicy veggie, um, pizza di mama, which is made up of spinach and blue cheese and also a classic margarita, um, that she's been working on and earlier on this year we launched a direct to consumer campaign which went really really well we sold over two thousand pizzas in the first week um, and yeah it's just been great watching that brand grow
0: yeah awesome and um, the blue cheese is is that also is that via Life's or is it a different uh, brand that you're using for that one
1: yeah so it's also via life as well okay. um she's right. got a really good um relationship with the guys over there and yeah. She's done a really good job of blending some really interesting flavours, and that's actually my favourite. That's my favourite pizza that she's got.
0: Yeah, and generally you're using a lot of natural ingredients and it's um, healthier than the traditional forms of pizza.
1: Yeah, definitely. One of the things that she lives by is, you know, when you look at other brands, even some um, plant-based brands also, the ingredients list is very, very long. but when you look at iHeart Pizza, it's a very short ingredient list. It's very straightforward. Um, she just formulated those flavors in a way that it just tastes great without the, the sort of additives.
0: Yeah. And how's the, I know you've been speaking to uh retailers. Um, how is the market for vegan products in uh in the Netherlands?
1: So the Netherlands is amazing. I didn't expect that a country um, you know, like the Netherlands being relatively small um would be so big when it comes to veganism um now in sort of the two major supermarkets here albert hein and yumbo um she's in talks with both of those companies to get stopped um, there are you know lots of vegan products in sort of vegan alt meats um the the alt milk aisle is huge um absolutely huge we've got everything there um and an area that's growing is their frozen section however both um, brands are kind of. both supermarkets are light in the the frozen pizza section. Um, Albert Heijn right now don't have any frozen pizzas, and Yumbo I believe are stocking one or two.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm glad uh, she's doing that, and uh, you know, obviously that's going to be it's a huge demand. Obviously, pizzas, right? You know, the amount of pizzas that get consumed, so it's a a good area to be tackling. Um, so you're also like like. Uh, thinking of other things. And uh, one of the things that uh, that you're launching uh, um, is a a new uh, brand um, around uh, alternative leather products. Uh, So can you tell us about that?
1: Sure, sure. Um, One of the main issues, I believe, when it comes to veganism, so it always starts with the food. And then you start to look at other things. So for example, someone like me, I love trainers. huge huge sneakerhead and the key issue for me is when i look at the vegan trainer brands some of them don't fit what i would wear you know to me what's trendy and to me what fits well with the clothes that i like to wear is really a a it's a huge clash now there are some great brands um i found some you know humans are vain um is one of them um which i've ordered recently they're absolutely amazing um flamingos life is another one And also you have the traditionals like the Nike and the Adidas also creating, um, alternative Mm -hmm. products as well. So with, um, the brand that I'm launching called Hakua, it's all about creating simple swaps that, that we really don't need to be leather. So for example, my wallet, um, this is made out of cactus. So this is one. And also my watch band for my Apple watch is also made out of cactus so it's all about increasing the accessibility to these products so that people see that really there's no difference um there's no difference with the quality there's no difference with the finish it can still look amazing but an animal doesn't need to be harmed for you to enjoy fashion
0: and uh you know cactus leather is very high up there in terms of quality of alternative leather products compared to uh, I guess you've got Apple. Uh, people are doing mushroom-based stuff, so I, I know the the cactus is is, is um, going to be doing really well in the future. So it's great to to look at that as a material source.
1: Definitely, um, and there's still a long way to go. I think that's a key area that also brands who are you know creating vegan products need to speak on. It's not perfect. Nothing's going to be perfect right now, but we're progressive um and creating environmentally progressive products is always going to be important so one key thing that we're doing um alongside using a great brand we we are we've we're using deserto who um they're a mexican company or actually um launched a cactus leather we're making sure that all of our packaging um you can compost it so the, the, the bags that we use the stickers everything is going to be very minimalistic and everything you can basically put in your garden and it's just gonna go into the going to the to the earth and yeah. exactly I think having those biodegradable products is very important because again you know if you order a t-shirt you order whatever it is it's going to come in plastic um, that plastic I've seen that every piece of plastic that's ever been made still exists. Which is insane to me, um so it's I think it's it's all stages, and I think brands and consumers have to understand that that it's a phase of okay, let's use a great alt product. it's not going to be perfect right now, um but we can actually start to transition and start to get people used to the quality of these products. Then we can look at things like packaging and then we can look at things like how to make these things um fully circular
0: yeah, awesome, so. Yeah, really interested in following your journey on that one as well. Um, yeah, just want to congratulate congratulate you on the rise uh, of the Vegan Review and how well it's doing and the content that you're putting out there. Uh, it's going really well. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot for coming on the show and sharing the story with us.
1: No, thank you um, very much. And also for your work in the space as well, um, finding those brands and those entrepreneurs who, you know, need the funding but also have those products that deserve to be um shown in the spotlight and also obviously with your work on plant ceo giving us sort of that forum and giving founders and investors the platform to actually showcase and let people know what they're doing
0: yeah thank you so much yeah really really good to hear as well definitely great all the best and speak to you soon
1: definitely thanks anan
0: yes take care bye bye